welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Um, today, we're going to have a continuation with our friend Nigel Morris. So he, if you don't know Nigel, those if you weren't here last week, former Vineyard Pastor, former Anaheim PD Chaplain, and is, and as it always is said, an amazing drummer. So that's his claim to fame. So, so we're blessed to have Nigel with us today. So come on up, Nigel, and we can pray for you. Please welcome Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Okay. Lord, we thank you for Nigel, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister to us today. As he speaks, Lord, I just pray that his words would be yours. And I pray that our hearts would be open to hear what you have to say to us today. Come, Holy Spirit, bless this time, be with us, anoint Nigel, and anoint us to hear what you have to say. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Hi, everyone. You came back. <laughs> Michael said you will keep on preaching until you get it right. So hopefully today is the day, right? He, he's coming back next week. Uh, just to remind you that um, I brought some books, um, a book that I wrote and copies out there, and uh, just to g- give to you guys. So if you didn't get one, um, pick one up at the end of the service, absolutely free. And if you did get one and you like it, get another one because I don't want to take them home, right? (laughs) So today, um, we're going to look at healing prayer and hear some stories. But um, before we do, uh, I want to kind of rewind what we briefly looked at last week. There there it is. We, We began with this. God's big story in six movements, uh, a cosmic narrative, if you will. In the beginning, and then all the way to the end, and they will reign forever and ever. So, if you think of one, two, three, four, five, six, we got number one, we have God, creation, humanity, and the human calling. Then the big X, human rebellion and fallout. Then three, the arrow, and God and Israel. So God chooses Israel to spread his blessing to every nation. But Israel fails at every step of the way. So you've got Israel sitting in a mess of its own making, basically. And the prophets come in and announce that there's still hope for a coming leader. There's still hope for the transformation of the human heart. And then a brand new world. And God's going to bring that about. And that's where we are the end of three there, at the end of the Old Testament. And those first three movements flow directly into the cross, Jesus and the gospel. And everything Jesus said and did connect right back to the Israel part of the story. And I believe that's very important. And it makes sense of why Jesus came, not announcing that you can float off to heaven somewhere, but announcing that heaven's rule and reign, that humans rejected and that Israel rejected, is now on an invasion mission to earth. Mark 1, 14 and 15 says that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. 
The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God. And if you want to think about that in a very simple way, Dallas Woolard um, had lots of great little things, sayings, used to say, think of the kingdom of God as God in action. God getting done what he wants done. I think that's great. So number five, that last arrow there, then post-resurrection, New Testament mission and the spreading of Jesus' kingdom people into all the nations. And that accounts for most of the New Testament. And finally, the downward arrow, finally the return of the king. God, new creation, renewed humanity. It's a glorious story. It's a glorious story. There's a, a gentleman, an English guy, named Crispin, of course, <laughs> Crispin Fletcher. You'd have to be English with a name like Crispin. And in his book, Jesus' Monotheism, it's a bit of a mouthful, but he says this, Jesus' constant talk about the kingdom of God evokes the overarching biblical story reaching all the way back to the bestowal of royal authority on Adam in Genesis 1. Jesus' kingdom announcement picks up all the key features of a biblical vision of the completion of God's purposes for humanity and for the cosmos. It's really big, guys. The administration of creation with true wisdom and justice, the final defeat of evil, the return of the land to its Eden bounty, and the completion of Israel's role in the service of the whole world, which brings blessing to all the nations, finally. So he says, for Jesus to enact, to enact, <laughs> try that again, to enact and announce the inauguration of God's kingdom means that humanity is now, at last, fulfilling its original purpose to manifest God, manifest God's own royal authority. In Jesus, we see one who exercises God's rule in creation as was expected in Adam. In other words, He's the man. He does it all. So Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, sums up Jesus' ministry as involving three things. <laughs> I'm a drummer. It's, this stuff is hard. Three things. Okay. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> teaching in their synagogues. Okay. Teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. And our focus, or what I'm calling our focus for today, healing every disease and sickness among the people. So, as I mentioned last, ne- last week, we're at number five in the big story as part of the kingdom mission heading toward new creation. And this morning, I want to turn our attention to what I've just said, the healing aspect of Jesus' ministry. So, along those lines, I've invited young David to come up and share a little about his story. Yay, David! I like it. Thank you, old Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, this will just be a couple minutes, and uh, I have a feeling, um, you know, it's just going to be a drop in the bucket. But this morning in my 
quiet time, I read Psalm 28, and uh, verse 6 expresses what I want to say. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. So some of you know for the last 12 years I've had an immune system condition, um, mold toxicity, Lyme disease, and uh, so I've been, it's kind of been 12 years a slave thing. And uh, because of the, of the mold toxicity and mold spores attached to paper, uh, I haven't been able to have books, and I'm a professor. And uh, you'll note that I'm holding a regular kind of American Bible, which, as all American Bibles are, is published, is printed in China, ironically. And uh, books printed in China come with mold included. So I have not been able to have this sort of Bible for 12 years. And I wanted to show you that I have it in my hand. And uh, I'm, the, I'm the Biola bag lady. I have uh, plastic bags over all my books that weren't printed in China to protect them from getting mold. And uh, so I don't have, I'm not carrying bags anymore except for this. I, I, I decided to keep this in a plastic bag, not because of mold, but just because I want to keep it. They don't, they don't make these anymore, so I, I want to preserve it. Um, so very briefly, what's happened is there's been a lot of prayer over the, over the years from many of you. And a, a turning point, a kind of bookmark in the book, but we're still reading the book, as someone shared with me last night, was in early May, and some of you were praying for us. But we went to Georgia to a little conference where they work on spiritual roots that in, inform and exacerbate uh, physical conditions and so on and set us up. Uh, there was a lot of taking authority over demonic powers and so on and focusing on what Nigel talked about last week, the love of the Heavenly Father and learning how to let that saturate my life. And uh, we, we walked away um, from that week. I just felt lighter and freer. And now I'm, as they say, uh, walking it out. Just continually, when I sense a spirit kind of after my lunch, <laughs> Uh, I'm taking authority, and this is all new stuff to me. But um, it's, it's 12 years a slave, but I'm free. And uh, I thank God. Thank you for your prayers. That's great. Gosh. Okay. Um, wow. Jesus called his first disciples, first and foremost, this is really important, to be with him. To be with him. That's crucial. Then from that relational hub, so to speak, he sends out the twelve with these instructions. As you go, mandate to go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. 
heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those that have, that have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. And guys, he was not talking about tithing when, when he said that. Then, as we heard in the reading, Jesus sends out the 72, or the 70, depending on where you look, giving them the same authority to do the kingdom stuff. And they report back saying, hot dog, you know, this stuff really works, which makes Jesus grin. Paraphrase. It's full of, full of joy. I'm sure it made him grin. Thought, you know, on the surface, he's saying, calm down, calm down, guys. You know, your name's in the book. That's the most important. But I think off to the side, he's going, yes, yes. So first you have the sending of the 12, then the 72, but then in what's commonly known as the Great Commission, Jesus gives instructions to his disciples to pass on the ministry baton, if you will, if you think of it like that, to others. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the, of the age. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And what was that? What did he say to his first crew? As you go, Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those that have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. And that ministry baton that should have, pass, should have passed down through the ages from disciple to disciple has somehow got majorly dropped along the way by the church. Why is that? What? prevents many of us from praying for people. Well, a whole host of things, actually. But here are a couple of reasons. The first is, Jesus was God and I'm not, obviously. But So it comes down to a question of model, meaning I can't possibly do what he did. So the question is, did Jesus do all that stuff as God? Or did he do it as a man? Because if he did it as God, then game over. Because we obviously can't do that. We have no possible model to follow. But, on the other hand, if he healed people as a human being who was anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, which he was, then Jesus is our best possible model for spirit-empowered ministry. The reason it's possible for us to potentially do what Jesus did is because the same empowering work of the Spirit that was available to him is available to us. Okay? Now, he was filled with the Spirit without measure, and we're not, which is why we need to huddle when we do these things. Another reason, among many, and why we don't do this stuff comes down to the question, as uh, David talked about, of authority. Remember in, uh, in John 14, when uh, 
he was talking to Jesus, was talking to Philip uh, about the Father, and in, during the conversation, Philip's asked, you know, show us the Father, etc., etc. And then, then uh, in verse 11, uh, Jesus says to Philip, believe me, or to the guys, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works of power, the miracles themselves. And then he says in verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And then he goes on to say, you'll do even greater things than these. But forget the second part. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And I think it means anyone. Okay? Some people are ignorant in the truest sense of the word. You know, they, they don't have understanding, don't have knowledge of the authority they've been given. People disqualify themselves from participating, or people are just plain unwilling to take the risk. Because there's, there is risk involved. Yes, there is risk involved. And so, speaking of authority and risk, I want to tell you, um, which brings me to story time. <laughs> so if you find your happy place, no. Um, over the years, I've had a, a handful of encounters um, in this business of learning to pray for the sick, which were both challenging and amazing at the same time, completely outside any box that I had God contained in, or so I thought, at, at to that point. For, because, you know, guys, the school of the Holy Spirit is one you'll never graduate from. You know, there's no graduating from that. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to, you know, be a lifelong learner, when the Spirit comes, uh, there's always new stuff to learn. First time uh, I witnessed anything like authority. And you've got to understand that um, if, you, uh, if you read the Gospels, if you read Acts, the way that Jesus and the disciples prayed were, was a little different uh, to the way that most of us pray. Um, we tend to use long words and go around the world and end up with the ingrowing toenail at the end, you know, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And thank God, you know, that Richard has sold his Rolls Royce to give money to the poor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But would you come and do something with his, you know? with his ankle or something. So we beat around the bush a lot. You will not see that. In fact, Jesus' prayers, if they can be called prayers, are to the point, to say the least. You know, some of them are more than one word. You know, he says things like, see, be open. He says to a dead guy, get up. Actually, twice. Lazarus, come out, you know, stretch forth your hand. And that's interesting. I won't go into it now, but a lot of them are action prayers. Do something. And in the, in the course of them doing something, there's healing. But they're not the way we pray. Now, I'm just saying that to set up this. So we're in, in our home near, doesn't matter where it's near, it's near Heathrow Airport in, in London. And we've just been to a conference. And a vineyard conference, and after that, after the conference, they did 
breakout satellite conferences around the country. And we had a team from Ontario, California, um, stay at our house, or two, a couple of them did, and there were three churches that got together for meetings and ministry, etc., etc. So one of the guys in the team was a guy named Bruce, uh, who's a dear friend now, um, and uh, we had a, a little girl staying with us, well, she's tall actually, so wasn't little, 16-year-old Paula, who was a very shy individual, uh, give you an indication of how shy she was, praying out loud, saying, thank you God for this food, would be a, you know, a step of faith for her. You know, she was very, very quiet and very shut down. So Bruce takes it into, so the, we had worship, we had the message, now it's ministry time, praying for people. So Bruce grabs hold of Paula, and he's taking her around as his team. So they come across a lady in our church who's got excruciating back pain. And uh, so, <laughs> so Bruce says, okay, Paula, and I'm standing there watching this. Put your hand, and ask permission to put the, uh, her, hand, her hand on the lady's back. And then <laughs> Bruce says, speak to the back and tell it what you want it to do. And Paula looks at him like he's an idiot and says, speak to the back? Yes, speak to the back and tell it. So therein issues a, a tennis match, a verbal tennis match. Speak to the back. Then she starts giggling and he starts kind of getting a bit more intense. Finally, it reaches this kind of crescendo and he says, Paula, speak to the back and tell it what you want it to do. And she said, hello, back. And the lady's back went crack, and she got healed instantly. Now, if you'll turn to the book of Randine in your Bibles, you'll find that prayer. It, it's not in the Bible, guys. Hello, back. What? I think she could have said, how about them Dodgers, if she knew about the Dodgers, and God would have, and God would have done something. So, So this is... And on, so, you know, that's, wow. That kind of rearranged what I thought about prayer somewhat. Little did I, little did I know that that was only the beginning of stuff. So a year later, I'm teaching, um, drums to one of my students in Wales. Just a week before both of us are going to do a jazz course. I'm tutoring there and he's one of the students. And by this time, after all this hello back stuff and you know, kingdom stuff, and I'm talking about the kingdom, talking about Jesus to anything, you know, whether it moves or not. And so between practicing paradiddles or whatever we were doing, uh, I'm telling him about all this healing stuff that's going on. And he says, and, he, you know, he's training to be a psychologist or some ologist or something. And uh, he says, oh, he said, uh, that sounds like... Uh, my girlfriend could benefit from something like that. <laughs> without, without thinking, which is par for the course a lot of the time, I said, oh, just bring her up to the, cor- to the course next week and I'll pray for her. And I thought, oh, um, what's wrong with her? He said, well, she has a tumor and a crack in her skull. She's blind in one eye and she has no movement down her left side. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> and I'm going, no, no. So the week, uh, week after, I'm there, 
and you can tell all the drummers are coming because the the, the cars are small and all the drum kits are on top of the cars. You know, so you can, I, oh, there's Steve. And I'm going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, please don't let him bring her, you know, and praying that he doesn't bring her. So he gets out of the car and, he, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. And then the passenger door opens. Oh, no. And Sue, his girlfriend, gets out and they trot up to me like two golden retriever puppies. And he said, I brought her. And I said, oh, great, let's um, go back to my room. And uh, so <laughs> he sits in the chair with a kind of, show me what you got, healing boy. You know, that kind of attitude. <laughs> and, I, and she's sitting on the bed, and I knew enough to invite the Holy Spirit. I, I got the word, come. I was going to say, come, Holy Spirit. I thought that was a good beginning, right? Come. And she fell back on the bed. I thought, oh no, I killed her. Done, done, something, done something. And for the next 10, 15 minutes, I prayed everything I knew to pray. I think I even, well, nearly said grace at one point. <laughs> Talk about making it up. I had no clue what, you know, and I'm praying everything. I think I would have turned around and spat out the window if I thought it had helped. And Steve's looking at me, and I think, oh, my, he thinks I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sue's on the bed, lying on the bed in this whatever state she's in, and she's doing this thing, scratching her left arm with her right arm. And I thought, that's weird. Well, <laughs> everything was weird. <laughs> and so after about 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, it was a long time, she comes to and sits up and I'd been kind of focusing, no pun intended, on her eye. And uh, I said, you know, did you, did you see anything? She said, yeah, not really. I, th I think I saw some flashes of color. I thought, oh, okay, kind of thing. And she said, but this is amazing. And I was saying, what's amazing? And looking at her arm and checked, you know, there's one on that side, regulation issue, and one on the other side, too. And she said, this is amazing. She said, ever since I've had no movement in this arm, all the hair dropped off. But now look, and on her arm was arm hair, where 10 minutes before, there was no arm hair. Immediately went like that. No, no I didn't. No, I didn't. I don't want a head full of arm hair. Although it might look good. <laughs> Early. <laughs> I mean, it's what's the grid for a bald arm, 10 minutes later, arm hair? It's not in the book anywhere. I've looked, okay? Prayed for her. Again, that week, she started to get um, movement back in, in, in the arm, the, the hairy arm. <laughs> and... So it's the last night of, of, the, of the course, and uh, the tutors do a concert for the students on the last night, and I'm in this little trio thing, and we're rehearsing, and I can see Sue and Steve, they're sitting at the back, um, and uh, I think, oh, that's nice, they come to say, you know, thanks very much, bye-bye, kind of thing. So we finish our number, put down my brushes, whatever, and I'm walking up to them, and as I'm walking up, I can see that there's this thing going on. 
he's doing this and she's doing that. And so I think, oh, no, they're having an argument. And as I get closer, she's saying, you tell him. And he said, no, you tell him. No, you tell him. You tell. I said, tell me what? And she looks up at me and there's tears streaming down. And she said, I can see. And I thought, wow. But lest you think you've got God's great man of faith and power here, this is what happened. On the afternoon, they're walking along the street, just killing time. <laughs> and talking about killing time, uh, in England, there used to be, uh, when you got a clockmaker or a watchmaker, this huge clock hanging over the, the sidewalk so you could tell where the clockmaker is, right? So just for giggles, just for grins, he says, he stopped her in the middle, the old people walking along. And he said, close your eyes, Sue. And she closed her eyes. And he said, put your hand over your blind eye. And she did. She said, no. And then he said, now open it and tell me the time. And she took her hand. She said, 2.30. She got her sight back when he told her to do that. I don't know. I'm I'm talking about the school of the Holy Spirit, learning this stuff, learning just to be you know, blown away every time God does something, which is most of the time that you're not expecting him to do. It's fantastic. It's incredible. So last, last, last story. We're in Borga, a couple of, a few years, uh, on from that, where I'm now a professional Christian. And, uh, be careful. <laughs> and, uh, I'm doing this little kind of seminar thing. Um, and it's a, it's a very poor, um, town. Uh, there's a huge power station there. I think it's the second largest in America. And, you know, I, I mean, the air quality is not very good. You know, the sparrows wake up coughing in the morning and, uh, it, it's really desperate. And downtown, you know, you get every other store that's boarded up. And this is years back. Goodness knows what it's like now. Every Friday night, they literally cruise through town in their cars. I've never seen... It's like 50s America, no? I think. Anyway, so, very poor congregation. Uh, Our friend, the pastor, used to say, I'm just praying for people who come to church who have all their teeth. That's how poor they were. (laughs) And so, there's no ministry team um, to to speak of, uh, except we have this... This bunch, a whole bunch of little kids who think that Lynn and I are great. And so they're following us around like a little herd of ducks everywhere, you know, and, and our little munchkins. And we get them praying for people, but they have to get chairs to pray for people. So they're standing up, in the name of Jesus, you know, all that stuff. So we got really tight. And in the afternoon, I'm talking about these so-called Long prayers of Jesus, you know, like see, be open, all that stuff, you know, pick up your mat and go home. It's a really long one. And, um, so the last, the last lady of the evening is there. And I said, hi, you know, I'm, I'm Nigel. What's your name? She said, Irene. I said, hi, Irene. Um, how can we pray for you? She said, I'm blind in one eye. And before I could say, before I could do anything, I turned around to the munchkins and said, guys, we get to do the C prayer, you know, S-E-E. 
And I thought, oh, why, why did I say that? Okay. So I got her to put her hand over her blind eye. I put my hand on her hand. And I said, Irene, in the name of Jesus, see. That's all I said. Took my hand away. She took her hand away. She said, I can see. And she said, said a random thing. She said, I didn't know the chandelier was pink. I thought, really? What had happened was she lost her sight in a, in a, um, in a, oh, just been reminded of something. Uh, lost her sight in a, in a, in a car accident, which also effectively did away with all her color vision in the other eye. So when this eye opened, she got all the color vision back in the other eye at the same time. And um, I think, wow, you know, I could do that all day. <laughs> and I could. If God's opening blind eyes, it's really easy. It's really difficult when he's not. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, the, the end of the, the Sue story is she came to our house just the day before she was due to have the operation on the tumor. And we prayed for her, and she went in the next morning, and they couldn't do the operation because, one, there was no tumor there, and two, there was no crack in her skull. So that was pretty cool, too. And that's all pretty cool when amazing things happen. You need to know I'm telling you these stories as kind of high, you know, watermarks, benchmarks, mountaintops, and in between, there's all this valley stuff where you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. And not a lot seems to happen. But please understand that just offering to pray for someone is a win-win. Most of the time, a lot of the time, you know, I was giving you reasons why people, people don't pray. We get so focused on the results and we forget just focused on obedience and doing what he's told us to do and offer to pray for someone. That's a win-win. Our job is to pray. His job, should he choose to accept it, is to bring whatever he wants to bring to the table at that time. But there's always something that he brings. Always, always. I love it. So we're obviously not always attuned, like Jesus was, to what the Father is doing or wants to do in a person's life at any given time. So sometimes the Lord has a very different agenda. So let's ask the question... What is healing anyway? I have a friend in uh, Gilbert, Arizona. He's a vineyard pastor. He wrote this book. His name is Jack Moraine. And it's called Healing Ministry. It's probably the best, simplest, uh, readable uh, thing on the subject. So if you want a great book on, on you know, it talks about God's will to heal. talks about a lot of things in a very uh, understandable way. So this isn't in the book, but... Jack talks about ministry to the unhealed, okay? And he tells the story of a lady named Astrid, who's a member of his church. And these are, um, so when Astrid started attending the church, she recommitted her life to the Lord and shortly thereafter, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, as, as it, as it happened. And doctors found that she had a large tumor and surgeons took away as much as they could but they couldn't get all of the cancer. And then she started chemo. Many from the church prayed for Astrid during her long battle. 
And consequently, she outlived the time projection that the doctors gave her. So in the early days after her diagnosis, every time Jack prayed with her, she would break down and weep. But it's not a good sort of weeping. What Jack sensed was a great deal of fear. This contrasted greatly with how Astrid was just before she went to be with Jesus. Jack said, you'll never meet anyone who had more peace than she did. Jack remembered that in her last few months, he would meet with her and ask whether she was at peace, and she would assure him that she was. Not only that, but she began to pray for other people's healing and bear other people's burdens. So she changed in front of those who knew her, and in the process, grew a lot more like Jesus. Astrid moved from fear to faith, from anxiety to peace, and in her last six months, she got to the place where she was okay if Jesus healed her and uh, if he chose to restore her um, now or choose to restore her in his presence. She was, she was okay with either. She was able to live out what is written in Psalm 23 about walking through the valley of the shadow of death and yet fearing no evil. Jack said that in Astrid's life, they were able to minister the presence of God. Think back to what David was saying at the beginning. Minister the presence of God and the love of God. She found great assurance of her faith. Toward the very end of her life, they discussed whether she had any unfinished business and she made some phone calls and sorted out some loose ends of relationships. The Lord worked healing in many areas of her life, even though she wasn't physically healed of cancer. That, to say this, some think of healing ministry, or praying for the sick, whichever way you want to say it, only in terms of the complete eradication of a sickness from a person's body. You know, it's all got to go. Others view it in a kind of broader way and think in terms of the alleviation of pain and suffering, you know, the abatement of, of pain symptoms, even if the underlying condition is not healed. But healing, while it certainly includes these things, is about so very much more, guys. It includes ministering the presence of God and the love of, and the love of God to people in order to bring assurance, forgiveness, reconciliation, grace, and peace. All the things he's about. So, how on earth, where do we start even to begin to cultivate that stuff? Uh, where do we start? Well, there's prayer ministry training, which takes place here on a regular basis. Um, but is there anything else we could do? Um, I believe there is. A friend of mine is fond of saying that God set the bar so low that he nearly tripped into the kingdom when he became a believer. So along those lines, I was thinking about what kind of things would constitute a real, really low ministry bar for those of us who want some kind of experience in these things. And help, at the same time, cultivate a kind of ministry, healing mindset and a compassionate heart towards others. Something practical, something repeatable, something that would make Jesus grin. 
Now, getting involved in a regular organized church event, such as the laundry and shower ministry that happens here, uh, first and third Saturday of the month. Is it called Grub? Suds and Grub or something? I like it. Anyway, that would be a great start. That would give you ample opportunity to interact with people. And speaking of interact, interacting with people, when you think about it, it's very obvious that every one of us has contact daily with a whole slew of people. If we begin to pay attention and cultivate an appropriate awareness around them, you never know what might happen. You might even end up praying for someone at the supermarket. <gasps> wow, that would be great. Our old boss would say this, God comes at you disguised as your life. God comes at you disguised as your life, meaning our everyday routines are ripe with opportunity to engage with others if we have eyes to see. So here, to finish off, are a few suggestions. Really, really, really baby, baby, baby steps as to what that might look like. So bear with me, right? I deliberately set the ministry bar so low that you will definitely trip over it if you're not careful. So in no particular order then, for starters, how about this? We can practice being kind to others outside the church building. Ooh. Performing small, deli yes, ooh. deliberate acts of kindness towards strangers. Now, the grocery store is a great place to start, right? Say that you're passing a person finishing loading their groceries into an urban assault vehicle, you know, a vehicle, and offer to take their cart back. Wow. I do that at Trader Joe's all the time. Only don't lurk, okay, in the background because you might get arrested. But if you just happen to be passing, and, you know, it's, it's just one of those things you can do. Open doors for people, especially elderly people like myself, okay? <laughs> Guys, you can practice today by opening the car door for your wife or significant other. Remember how you used to do that when you were dating? Hmm? There'd be all these arguments in the parking lot. You never open the car door for me. I'm practicing with Lynn. We're doing all right? I've got the car door opening and her getting in. What I haven't got is opening the car door when she gets out. So sometimes we're just sitting there and she's like, I'm waiting. Oh, so I have to run around. Okay. okay. Practice being fully present to whoever you're talking to, talking with, and listen. Try and really listen to what they're saying. And that's hard to do if you've got a cell phone and earbuds in, right? In other words, give people the gift of your attention. Become a good listener. I like this one. When someone is serving you in a store or wherever and is wearing a name badge, thank them by name. Hint. It's written on the badge, okay? It's good. What? Practice, and all I'm talking about is good manners, actually. Practice being polite. Say please and thank you instead of give me this or give me that or I'll take this or I'll take that. Practice being generous. For example, become great tippers at restaurants. You might have to work up to that. 
Become an encourager when you have the opportunity. Call out the best in people. Practice being grateful and lighten up on complaining and whining in front of others. Do all your grumbling, most of your grumbling, privately and kind of vertically, for want of a better word, as King David did, rather than horizontally and publicly. Finally, don't gossip and don't forget to floss. No, sorry, that's, that's not one of them. I'm sure, basically, you can think of your own ways to be nice 101, and all that might seem a million miles away from, in the name of Jesus, see. But don't despise the day of small beginnings. You have to start somewhere. There are a hundred different and simple ways to relate to people that we meet every day that resonate with Jesus' heart, fosters a healing ministry uh, mindset in us. And thinking about others on a regular basis effectively gets you out of your own headspace, which is not a bad thing for some of us. And over time, you will become more, as Wimber used to say, otherly. And you'll start looking for the opportunity to be kind, to, to be generous or whatever. And from there, it's a relatively small step to saying to people, do you mind if I pray for you right now? But at the end of the day, cultivating a healing, compassionate heart, however you do it, is more than just a doing thing. That's part of it. But it's so vital we get this, guys. It's a being thing as well. It's about becoming a certain type of person. Growing in grace, growing in kindness and humility. It's becoming a lifelong learner in the school of the Holy Spirit. Because when it comes to pray, to praying for the sick, it's not so much a how-to, but a who-with. It's who you get to do it with. It's about hanging around Jesus and learning to do what the Father is doing, just like he did. It's about being part of a caring community of his followers who are learning to receive his lavish love and then give it away to others wherever they find themselves. All this is about, as John Wimber used to say, rendering humble service to the king. Rendering humble service to the king. And I would add to that, together. Amen? All right. Um, in our, uh, we usually have a couple of minutes of reflection um, on what I've said. Instead of doing that so, so much this morning, what I would like to do is to invite you guys just to uh, relax um, if you're not relaxed. Um, and if you're comfortable in closing your eyes, what I'm going to do, uh, um, what I'm going to do, yeah is invite the Spirit of God to come and, and touch you guys at whatever point of need that you have, whether it's, you know, as we heard in prayer time, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, there's a pain in your body, and uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. So, Spirit of God, I, we honor you, Lord, and what you do. And we invite you now uh, to come and bring the ministry of Jesus here. 
Come Holy Spirit. I'm going to mark off two minutes on the clock, guys, so don't worry. So come Holy Spirit, bring healing, bring all the things that you, you see that, you, uh, that these uh, beloved children of yours need right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your presence come, Lord. We thank you and honor you and bless you. Pray that you'd be glorified in our lives, whatever way that looks good and right to you. So thank you, Lord. Amen.